4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. We got Hawks and Bucks coming up tonight at uh, 5.30 our time, and then we got a game seven in hockey. We'll see who's going to be playing in the Stanley Cup final against Montreal. We'll get back to the uh, Golden Knights losing. Season is over. A lot of critical analysis in hours one and two. We got a bunch of football coming up this hour. We're going to talk to Caleb Herring, one of our football insiders. Nice enough to join us on a Friday. Football time. It's always going down in football. We actually had a couple offensive linemen signed today. Uh, one by the Jets and Moses Morgan. The other, uh, Trey Turner, goes to the Steelers. Uh, that means that uh, six-time Pro Bowl selection, David DeCastro, dumped. But it's injury-related. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you, like, hey, is it time you know, for the Raiders to be you know, looking for some offensive linemen uh, you know, to put in the mix with their, their young guys? It doesn't look like he's going to, uh, DeCastro is going to play this year. He confirmed earlier this week he needs ankle surgery, like for the third time. Yeah. So he's probably going to be out for the season. Uh, another important note this one from uh, Sheffy, Adam Schefter says 65% of NFL players have had at least one shot of the vaccine. This is per medical officer, uh, NFL medical officer, Alan Sills. He says that's approximately the same percent as the rest of the country. Okay, well, what what does that matter? Because the rest of the country doesn't have to get them. I mean, the wish would be to get you know to a good rate of whatever seventy percent fully vaccinated. The league wants eighty five percent fully vaccinated, but I think we're trying to frame this nicely here. Sixty five percent of NFL players have had at least one shot. Uh, Schefter said that's approximately the same percent as the rest of the country, but for Americans uh, aged eighteen to twenty four, it's around forty eight percent. Ages twenty five to thirty nine, it's around fifty percent. So NFL players are over indexing. Compared to people their age, according to Adam Schefter. I mean, it's true. Let's do it. Good. They're headed in the right direction. Well. And hopefully none of the teams are going to have to operate under, you know, bizarro circumstances where they don't all get to meet together. They don't have separate flights. You know, one group's going to have to wear a mask. Others don't. We have team meetings, and you're on that side of the building on Zoom. We're all together. The rest of us are in a room like we normally are. And, and rules overall are relaxed for teams that get to 85%. So I'm sure that there's some players looking around like, come on, let's go. And and we've heard some players talk about it. You know, uh, Patrick Peterson talked about it the other day. He was like, it's selfish. If oh, you, he did? Oh, yeah. He goes, if, if you're not doing it, you are a selfish player if you're not getting it. He's like, let's go. Why is he taking this sort of political stance? This is a very hot-button really, issue. Really not political. He's talking about it from people, a competitive standpoint. People have made it political. And, sure. and he's right. It's a workplace situation where... The more efficient you are, the more you are back to normal, the better shot you have. Doesn't guarantee anything. No. But I, I can tell you that, well, the key word there is him calling out players who aren't doing it and then the dissension that can lead to within the ranks. Absolutely. And, and you know, like, like you said, he's, he's like, if we're, we're all trying to win. It's with these rules that are in place. And, you know, he, he, he seemed to support the rules based on the stuff I was listening to from his podcast. He's like, well, the rules that are there, he's like, I get it if you want to ask questions or you 
you know, because when people say I have questions, it's never questions. You're making a statement. But like, if you want to, there's, there's resources out there. He's like, we have people we can talk to and they will tell you like this and this and this, and they'll, they'll go, they'll go over it with you. He's like, ask your questions and then get the shot. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And, and I know I've had listeners reach out and, uh, you know, they think we're you know banging them over the head with the vaccine stuff. You, you do what you want. I'm completely yeah. open to do what you want, but I will tell you in a workplace, I also have the right to go, Hey, we're not working efficiently. And I'll tell you right now, and I will be selfish on this one on my radio show. If you're effing me over and we can't operate at the pinnacle, yeah, I'm going to be mad. Can I force you to do anything? No, but I'm going to be pissed. I know we're not a football team. No, you know, and I, and I, I mean, I guess I was just going to say, we, we don't have a finite existence. We do. We could be fired any day now. Right. But like, you know, if you're, if you're a great player, like Patrick Peterson, like I only got a couple years left. Right. Like I don't need any distractions, problems, like let's go. And I know it's driving people nuts. Well, it's it's and, and you're using the radio show as an example. I'll, I'll I'll say right now, like we are a group, and we you know talk about who's gonna who's gonna be on the show, whatever. And if we if one of the people that's in this group in our in our mix of hosts was like, oh, I can't do shows whenever you go out anywhere because I'm not gonna get vaccinated. I, I think the answer would be like, the answer would be like, okay, fine, you're you're just out of the mix then. Like you're you don't have to. Nobody's gonna make you do it. We're not gonna come to your house and jab you with a needle. Absolutely, make your decision, but you're probably not going to be around. <laughs> and that's that's hypothetical. Nobody's in that in that group. But I'm just saying that's how it work out. Like nobody's forcing anybody to do what they don't want to do. If you don't want to get a shot, don't get it. There are repercussions, and you do affect others. Right, you affect others, and, and it can affect the workplace. Absolutely, it does. And and in this case, the NFL is just a workplace. And if you if you're <laughs> if you're choosing, if you're choosing not to do it, and you're screwing over your teammates, it's fine. You can do it. You don't yeah. have to do it. But you do have to realize the impact. And listen, you also have to play by different rules. So you, everybody supports your right not to get the vaccine. Yeah. But well, you, you do have to play by different rules. You then. saw what happened here with casinos. I mean, they laid down the law and they tried to help everyone. And most of the casinos, it was like, hey, do you want to work? Do you want to make money? Do we want to operate at a high level? And most of the places got past whatever they needed to get past. The 87% here, something like the 88%, they got past it and, you know. Before a lot of the rest of the country was open up in terms of the tourism industry, we had, we had 25, 30 properties open up around Las Vegas. Uh, interesting betting options that are out now. You want to bet the specific finish of the Raiders in the AFC West? You can do that. Raiders. To win the division, first place, 12-1. to 1. Whoa. Now, the Chiefs are heavy favorites. They're minus 250 to win the sure. division. Second place, the Raiders are plus 750. Okay. Things go right. You know, it's not like the Chargers and Broncos are some freaking guaranteed juggernauts. Third place, plus 350. Uh, I guess, you know, I, you could put it this way. They're the favorite to finish last. Right. They're minus 225 to finish last. Right. Come on. Not a good sign. Screw off bookmakers. I was looking at the other teams in the division. You hate the Raiders! Look at some other That's teams a joke. In, they in don't the hate division. Of course not. <laughs> um, if let's say Mahomes, I'm not putting. I'm not yeah. trying to jinx him. Let's say he tears his ACL in preseason. Oh no! Couldn't they finish last? Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's how tenuous it is. Sixty-six to one. Oh, sixty-six to one to finish fourth. Yeah. Yeah. 
Frank Clark could be out two to four games. Well, I don't think that. Who's I don't think that impacts where they finish. I'm just adding other things that could go sure. wrong. But yeah, the, the key factor is Pat Mahomes. All right, Adams in. He's a little recommendation here. Sixty-six lottery on the Chiefs to finish fourth. I'm sure Chiefs fans are like, "There's no way." <laughs> uh, without Patrick Mahomes, you're you're not going to be good. No. So no. Good luck, you know, trying to get the seven or eight wins. That's right. how much of a difference he makes. And also, like, be careful if you think, "Oh, the Raiders are definitely finishing last." I'm going to bet that minus 225. Yeah, I wouldn't. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Damn, all right, just rubbing the salt in the wound over and over and over again. Enough with the Montreal final goal to end the series. Rough night, rough night for Las Vegas. A lot of people uh, love the Golden Knights, and that was not the way we expected it to end. Let's talk a little uh, football now with a guy. He's a Las Vegan, essentially, even though uh, I was actually in his neck of the woods a couple of weeks ago. Right? L.A., sort of, on the way down to San Diego, Moreno Valley. Caleb is up with us. Caleb Herring. What's up, Caleb? Hey, what's up, man? I, I guess I am officially Las Vegan? Vegan? What, like, how, do, how do I say that, even? I, I guess I am official, though. Las Vegan. Las Vegan. Okay, there yeah. it is. I'm a Las Vegan. Probably the only Las Vegan who hasn't been to a Golden Knights game at this point. What? And I have not. I have not. I have not been to a I just Let's get it out of the way. I haven't been yet. Um, for whatever one reason or another, I just haven't been to T-Mobile for a nice game. Um, but I, I, if I did go, I probably wouldn't have participated in the booing that happened. Uh, how about that? Like the last, the last game at T-Mobile for the season. And, you know, the, the guys who put in great work for the last three years, four years really, of the team existence, get booed in the last game of the, of the semifinals. Okay. Crazy. Well, that's, that the, that that's the athlete in you speaking. As, uh, as a paying fan, because, you know, I'm a regular guy. I connect with the people. Um doesn't that mean we know hockey now and we have demands and expectations? Absolutely not. I don't what? think that's what it means. Just because you blew it doesn't mean you know what you're looking at. I mean, anybody could tell that it's a bad game. I mean, look at the scoreboard. 4-1 to one or whatever the score was, 3-0 at the time. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, a, you know, a hardcore hockey, you know, savant or anything like that. No, by, uh, by the way, but, no, now, no one said hardcore hockey savant. <laughs> it's just a basic <laughs> knowledge of the game. And if you see players trailing plays because they're not busting their ass and you've paid, you know, the highest ticket prices in the U.S. to go to these games, you have a right to voice your displeasure. I, no, I absolutely agree. I, I definitely agree with that, uh, voice your displeasure and, uh, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to anybody. To do it. It's just my, not my personal take. I wouldn't yeah. have booed. I, I think it's I at, at, at that at that point in the season. At this, you know, it's a playoff. Do or die. We all want the season to continue. I'm sure they do too. The players. I'm saying they want the. It's not like they're mailing in and don't want to win the Stanley Cup final. I think uh, when you're trying to support and root your team on, the, the point of home court advantage or home ice advantage in this case is so that your home fans can give you some energy when you are feeling a little lifeless. And if your home fans 
guys are booing you, it doesn't really inspire life coming back out of the locker room. That's, that's just how I would take it as a fan, sitting there paying that much money for those tickets. I, I want to spur the team on. I want to be an active participant in what was going on. You know, it's actually funny about that conversation, though, is that uh, I, I would agree, like, a lack of effort is something that I think you could probably boo, and it's probably okay uh, to do it. And that did happen in Game 5, but there was no boos. But then the time that they were booing was not a lack of effort. It's just, it's very weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> which which goes to my point that there's not a lot of hockey to bond that are in T-Mobile Arena. I, like, you, like you said, I think that the boos came, uh, what, what was, weren't, some boos were coming as they were going off for intermission. So I don't, I don't even know um, exactly what was getting booed. And it, it, was on, point, it was on the power play. If it was a lack of effort, I, I like I said, if 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 you know if I go pay three hundred dollars to see LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard and they're taking the night off and they're not playing that night, I'm booing. I'm booing every every chance I get. I'm booing, but I, I don't think at this point that's what it was about. I think the team was just losing and and fans weren't happy that they were losing in the fashion that they were losing. Let's talk a little football before we uh, get to some NBA. You know, one of the big stories of the week at the beginning of the week was Carl Nassib's announcement that he's gay, defensive end for. The Raiders, and it's always good to talk to guys who actually play the game. Uh, will there be any sort of negative impact on the locker room with the Raiders? And I, you know, I'll also throw your way. I mean, you know, you didn't play that long ago. There, there, there must have been some gay folks on your team, I would think, or maybe you didn't know, or you did know. I, I don't know. Like, have you know, have you encountered this situation? You know, I haven't. I've I've had former teammates that have come out as gay after after already being on the team. And this is from high school. So I have people that have been in the same locker room, unbeknownst to me or anybody else in the locker room, that you know were, were, were gay and, and had that as their, their sexual orientation or, or their preference. So I, it, it was unknown to me at the time, but it came out later. And, you know, like I said, that we're still good friends to this day. Um, but, you know, I, I would hope, and, you know, at this point, 2021, you would hope that it doesn't have any sort of effect in the locker room. But I'm not naive enough to say that, personal feelings and opinions that are very strong um, in a big locker room like an NFL or any football locker room, there's going to be some variance, right? Not everybody's going to be all gung-ho about this. Maybe not detesting it or, or negative about it, but just not as in the spirit of brotherhood as everybody else is. And you just hope it doesn't become something like that because, like I said, it's 2021, and I, I'm, for one, am, uh, of the belief that this type of thing should – I'm I'm waiting for the day where this isn't news, if that makes sense. Where it, it, somebody's preference of who they want to date or, or marry or, or things like that doesn't even make the news. Like somebody is like, okay, well, good, good for you. I'm I'm glad you're happy. As long as you're happy, we can move on. And I just I I, I want to one day get to a point in society where that's the case. Nobody has to come out about what they feel on the inside. So that's that's my you know social take on it. But. Hopefully, like I said, this doesn't impact the locker room. I know it's, it's impacted Nassib's jersey sales. I mean, he went one day to being a top-selling jersey in the NFL. So if that tells you anything about you know how people are supporting him across the country, um, that, I guess, could be some sort of positive indicator on how this is being received by, by fans and, and players alike. There, there's so many different layers to this. I, I, I think we are all kind of uh, of the – not everybody. Obviously, there's people that feel differently, but – most people that are, you know, have thoughts in their head uh, are in agreement with you of, hey, this would be cool if it wasn't a story. But we also understand why it is a story. Like, it has never happened before for a reason. There has definitely been many gay players. We know they've come out after their career. 
you know, somebody said, statistically, there's probably another gay player in the NFL. I said, statistically, there's probably another gay player on the Raiders. Like, yeah. th- th- I mean, yeah. th- that's probably, you know, that that's where we are right now and that it, it has been a stigma. There has been an issue. And, like, for somebody to actually do it, like, I, I am, I wish it wasn't a story, but I'm glad that it is because I do think it sends – you know, a message that it's okay and that, you know, you can you can be comfortable and confident and, and talk about it. And hopefully we do get to that point. But I, I am I do believe it is a story and I do believe it should be discussed and talked about. And I'm glad that somebody had the courage to do it. I, I'm glad nobody got what I'm really glad about is that no NFL player got like forced out. Like that mm. we didn't have this happen when, you know, somebody got quote unquote caught or something like that, where somebody had right. to talk about it that didn't want to. I'm glad that Carl Nassim got to do it on his own. Uh, and, and make the decision on his own and just come out and say, hey, listen, I'm comfortable and I, I want to share this so that people that are in a bad spot or are scared or are nervous to talk about it can maybe feel free because I'm really willing to be that first one to, to put that on my shoulders. And what I also like about this situation, the way that it's unfolding, if you remember we had uh, back, I don't know how long it's been now, since Michael Sam um, was going to the NFL and hadn't been drafted yet but came out as a gay football player. Um, I think that, as, as negative as it was, as, as bad as it was for this to be the case, I think that played a different role because he wasn't already established on a team. He had already built friendships and camaraderie with a locker room. Um, so whereas Nassib now, he's been in the locker room as just a guy, and he's been you know fit in, he's, he's established himself in the NFL, not as a dominant player, but as, as a, a known player, as a key contributor to an NFL locker room. Um, and then for him to now come out as, as gay publicly, whether his team knew already or whether they didn't, at this point he's established a rapport and a relationship to kind of break that stigma. Like, hey, I can be a tough guy. I can do this. I can participate in these conversations with you. Nothing has to change. I'm still the same guy I was before. It's just now this revelation about my private life is now something that's public. And I feel confident enough with the team around me and with how receptive they've been of my, my personality and who I am. I feel confident enough to share this with the world. And it is a big moment. And I, so I do appreciate that it's happening. I do appreciate the news aspect of it, the story that, that un, uh, undoubtedly is, is ringing out across the country to be more accepting of these kind of things so there isn't that stigma. So it, it, I think it unfolded the right way. And it, it, it's great that I think, uh, for the most part, everybody's been receptive from around the NFL, other players tweeting out and things like that teammates obviously stepping forward and, and saying that he's happy and they're glad to see him happy. I think it's a, a win-win situation for the NFL and, and the message of progression towards, you know, a better future for everybody. On the, and, and I, I, yeah, and I guess just to, to follow it up, cause I, I think there was one other locker room question that I had for you. Like you haven't gone through this and experienced it, but um, I, I, I know of a case where it's obviously not the NFL. It's a different, it's a different sport, a different scenario, but um, there was a a player that I knew of that was gay, and everyone around him knew it. Every all of his teammates knew it, the coaches knew it, everybody knew it. But then it became public, and then it did become an issue because now there's all these outside, you know, there's questions, and there's hey, now I have to be asked about it and talk about it, and like it did kind of become a thing. Like, do you think that's the kind of thing that could be an issue in the locker room? Like, hey, we're all cool with it, we're all good with it. But now that there's all these outside pressures on it, now it changes the dynamic of everything. And I think that's kind of the point that I was getting at with I wish it wasn't a story because that, the story of it becomes the distraction in the locker room part. You know, right. I, I think 
uh, if it was just a teammate that came out as gay and we all knew it and we accepted and we loved him still and all those things happened, fine, it's good. If the, the story didn't come along with it. And like I said, the next day, his jersey, I don't, I, I'm not trying to bash his career before this, but his jersey sale went through the roof. And that, that's, you know, that's part of the media storm and, and the, the, the energy storm that's around him uh, now because of what he's done. And this is the offseason. We're talking about the offseason. There's going to be, you know, opening game, you know, this is opening night or whatever at Allegiant Stadium. You know, how many people are going to be coming out in support of his, you know, of his decision to go public with it? And it's nothing to do with your acceptance or, or refusal to accept him as a person and him as a gay person, as a gay man in the NFL. It's more to do with the fact that now he's going to have 500 microphones pushed into his face after every game. Um, if something does happen organizationally for him where he doesn't end up making it as a Raider, is there going to be a story then? Is it going to be, oh, because he's gay, the Raiders parted ways with him? And is that a fear now that the organization carries as a product of the story that, that's now swarming around? In the locker room, if, he, if the locker room's fine with it, the locker room's fine with it. I can tell you, there's, nothing, there's not very many things that can really infiltrate that um, as far as in-house fighting, because most of the in-house disagreements get get sorted out in-house. It, 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 you never really know about it. It's when the outside world starts to influence it, the outside storylines, the outside narratives start to penetrate that, that I guess things could fall apart. Now, I, I would hope that that's not the case. I would hope that in, in 2021 with something like this, um, the stories remain positive and reflecting um, his decision and the Raiders' decision and the Raiders' acceptance of him. I, I hope that that stays in a positive light, but it definitely could be on one of those things that if the outside world gets a hold of a story or catches wind of something, it could disintegrate really fast in that locker room. Caleb, I got like one minute left. Sorry, we're a little bit short on time today. Who's the new O-line coach for UNLV? T.J. Wood. Uh, he's actually a, a guy that's been around been around for quite some time. I think 19, 20 years he, or something like that, he's been around in, in the coaching realm, whether um, at the J.C. level at Azusa Pacific where he graduated from and, uh, and played as well. Um, he's been in the Mountain West, a couple of stints at Utah State. Um, where he had top 25 rushing uh, offensive, uh, finished top of the conference for rushing offense. Um, he's also spent some time at Wisconsin. And coach, that's, that's basically like offensive line university right there. He sent some guys to the NFL, still has some active players um, that were under his tutelage at, at, uh, at Wisconsin that are in the NFL now. So uh, a kind of guy that's bounced around. He's had success pretty much everywhere he's gone on that offensive line, and offenses have felt his impact. And he, you know, guys like Melvin Gordon and James White in Wisconsin and like I said, Utah State finishing in the top 10 um, with rushing offense or total offense a couple of times while he was there as well. So a good pickup, a good hire, guy that's familiar with the Mountain West. Uh, also some Pac-12 experience sprinkled in there as well. So um, hopefully UNLV can get back to those days where they had a top 25 rushing offense and um, the offensive line becomes the strength of the team again. I, and I like the way this hire looks on paper. We'll see how it meshes together when fall camp comes. Caleb, thank you. Have a good weekend. All right, you guys, too. Enjoy yourself. There he is, the former UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of UNLV football, Caleb Herring. It's Cofield, Ari, Adam Hill. We're about 12 minutes away from talking to one of our buddies who uh, is from Canada, has a real good uh, knowledge of what's going on in Montreal right now and just how big this is for the Canadians who took out the Golden Knights last night. Gabriel Morenci is on the way. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. 
One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. All right, some good Fat Pack notes coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Canadian hockey expert. He's a great sports gambler. He's been on the, the States forever as well from... Uh, Sirius XM Channel 204 and Sports Grid Radio, great channel. Uh, Gabriel Morenci is going to join us. Uh, let's go out to the phones, 364-1100. Kevin wants in on Cofield and Company. What do you got, Kevin? Hey, I was wondering if the travel that the Vegas Golden Knights had to do from Vegas to Montreal was a wearing factor because Montreal was traveling to all five of the provinces, where we were traveling as far east as only Minnesota. Do you think that played a little bit of the factor? Because right now, uh, Tampa and um, the Islanders, they're staying in the same time zone. Okay, good question. Yeah, appreciate the call. Adam, you look perplexed. It sounded like you said Montreal traveled more, but the wear and tear was worse on the nights? No, he's saying maybe Montreal was used to it during the regular season because of the North Division. Oh, gotcha. While okay. you know, travel in, right, for the it. most part, outside of having to go to I mean, they did have to go to Minneapolis and Denver. Those aren't monstrous trips, but I mean, there's some big trips in Canada. Sure. So maybe they got used to travel, and this this one broke. The VGK got broken by the fact that they had to go to Montreal. Anything's possible. Okay. I, I, it seems like a stretch. Um, but I, I mean, I like different theories. Like I said, I took. I, I didn't get what he meant by that, but okay, <laughs> uh, that's that's fine. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, as he said, Tampa Bay and um, and the Islanders haven't had to travel a whole lot, so maybe. That'll affect them. We'll see if that affects them in the finals. So, uh, fat pack time coming out of the pandemic. I think we're going to see a lot of innovations, a lot of in, you know new creations that are potentially going to change the world when it comes to a food standpoint. Uh, we first broached this topic uh, just a few days ago. Have you seen the new look of the hot dog? The flat patty hot dog. Uh, here's a dude on TikTok who is raving about the flat hot dogs and all, all the possibilities. Stop all the round dog hate. Ristelli's is changing the game. They have been all over the news. If you haven't seen the Ristelli's round dog yet, you must be sleeping under a rock. All I need to know is, are you team round dog? I know I am. A round hot dog just means more surface area for grilling perfection. Don't tell me it's just bologna. It does look awesome. (laughs) I've never really been a big fan. I hadn't thought about it. I don't know why you're laughing at this. this is a no, very I'm, serious I'm topic. laughing. I'll, I'll say exactly why. Yeah. Because I was waiting for the video to be over yeah. so I could be like, it's just baloney. And then he, he, yeah, not. he's like, don't tell me it's just baloney. No, it no, is. No, no. It's just baloney. Hot dog's not baloney. Um, when you think about how stupid a hot dog by design is, first of all, it's a round object, so nothing sits nicely on it except mustard that like really clings to it or maybe some heavy relish. Plus the roll, like when you really throw a bunch of toppings on a hot dog and a hot dog roll, it's not efficient. We get flat surface now with this flat hot dog on a bun. It's opening up a whole new world. You know how much sauerkraut you can put on that thing? Like flat pickles instead of spears. It's awesome. The, the pickle situation is always tough on a dog. Yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be accepting of that argument until you can put the toppings on in a more efficient manner. But if you're going round, you just go burger. No, I want the hot dog and the hot dog flavor. I don't necessarily want a burger. So why can't is, we have flexibility? For those that are for the, for those that don't see the video like we see it, it's great. It's ju- it's a it's a hamburger. Yep. but it's a hot dog. 
Right, it's a hot dog hamburger. It's a it's a hot dog patty. It's freaking awesome. Uh, we'll put it out. We'll put the TikTok video up because you really need to see what it looks like up at ESPN Las Vegas. All right. Next up, we find out about what the hell's going on in Montreal. Yeah, they're happy about everything, but why? Why did it unfold like that yesterday, where they're flipping over police cars? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Good call there on the way back, courtesy of 690 in Montreal. Let's look at some of the gambling numbers, get a feel for what's going on in Montreal. Long-time radio star in Canada and here in the U.S. You can hear him on Sirius XM Channel 204. Gabriel Morenci is with us. Bro, that was crazy last night. How are you today? And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm still recovering, actually. It was a hell of a series. It was a battle. Um, you know, listen, Las Vegas have a great hockey team. Yet, you know, they just have to find that way to take the next step. They almost remind me, Las Vegas are almost like the Milwaukee Bucks right now, right? Regular season success. Now, how do you figure it out in the playoffs? They're sort of built for the regular season, Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights are more uh, than the playoffs, but a ton of talent. Vegas Golden Knights fans, you guys got a bright future. You're knocking on the door as far as the cup is concerned. So what just happened in the series? Carey Price happened. Carey Price happened. Luke Richardson happened. And, you know, that's the thing in Las Vegas right now. I wouldn't be too critical of the Knights. Like, don't look at it like, first off, first off, Steve, you know, when the odds came out and I saw that the Canadians were the biggest favorites, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were the biggest favorites in the semifinals in 31 years in NHL in the NHL semifinals playoffs. Are you kidding me? So you're telling me in the last 31 years this was the biggest mismatch coming in? I think people got a little bit fooled as well, including, listen, man, everybody. Nobody picked them up. The Canadians were 150 to 1, man, uh, when they were down three games to 1 to the least. But everybody watched Colorado and Las Vegas' series, Steve, and thought, wow, look how great this is. Man, this is hockey. These guys are flying around. Look at the speed. And I told people at the time, yeah, the Big 12 is more entertaining than a lot of conferences, too. Doesn't mean they win championships. There's a difference between entertaining hockey and winning hockey. We see the same thing with Colorado. I'll tell you what, two guys in the NHL, the top 20 scorers in the NHL regular season, only one of them. Um, was still playing until last night. Now no one, and that's Mark Stone. And actually, you know, I know Stone's getting ripped pretty hard right now. Uh, but the Canadian system, bro, they're setting records. I mean, Carey Price is unbelievable. If you score three or more goals, you're not beating them. They've won like 23 in a row now if, if they score three or more. They've killed every penalty, as you see. Canadians are just that good team that does all the little things right, man. So you got to give us a feel for what's going on and why it's going on in Montreal. Last night, again, was crazy. Like, they didn't win the Cup. They got to the finals, but people went freaking ape you-know-what, the turnover police cars. Why do they get like that? I mean, I know they love hockey. Why does this happen? You know, I can't and win or lose. There's some, <laughs> listen, Montrealers, Montrealers are known for rights, bro. And I, I've been there. Let's go. Let's recap it. 1986, Montreal Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. There's a riot. 1993, there's the mother of all riots. Uh, when they win the Stanley Cup. Like, 
hardcore stuff, like tens of millions of dollars of damage. And you figure, too, like sort of a classy organization, right? Act like you've been there yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But truth be told, they have it. We have it. It's been 28 years. <laughs> so a lot of these kids, they don't know. I don't know, Steve. That, you know, we're getting into let's let's call the psych major from UNLV right now. Right, right. We're getting into some deep psych <laughs> stuff. Why do people do this? Pent up frustrations. Their life sucks. They hate authority. But you know, there's a lot, lot of different reasons. <laughs> I don't know if it has anything to do with actual sports. Like how many people are like season ticket holders, right? Yeah. How many like are season ticket holders flipping over uh, cop cars? But right. look, man. Guns and Roses, punch in just Guns and Roses, right? Montreal, bing, right? Yeah. Guns and Roses, Guns and Roses, Metallica. There was an explosion. James Hetfield blew himself up in Montreal once. <laughs> so Metallica only played like six, seven songs, uh-huh. and Guns and Roses were coming on after. And the promoters asked Guns and Roses, "Hey, will you guys uh, come on, uh, go on a little earlier because you know we got fifty thousand people in the stadium that are freaking out." And Axel said, blow me. I'm not going on early. And then Guns N' Roses came on and only did like five songs. Axel stormed off the stage and they tried to burn down a concrete Olympic stadium that's impossible to destroy, bro. You can drop a nuclear bomb on that thing. And I swear, Kofi, I was there, bro. I was in the sixth row of the Rise of Metallica show. And I'm sort of laughing. I'm like, man, these guys are nuts, man. They're starting to smash things. Then, bro... They smash the Expos gift shop, and I'm standing there. No, 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 not the Expos. And like people, are, they're they're looting the Expo stuff. But and Montrealers are hardcore. They pride themselves on partying hard. But the rioting stuff is stupid, and it's just a precursor. That was like a little mini yeah. dress rehearsal for what's to come. And we should know too. On Thursday in Montreal, it was like it was a it was a local holiday. Actually, it's hard to get into the politics of Quebec. It's complicated, but yeah, yeah. let's just say they were freaking fired up, man. Love the energy, sports rage. It's on SiriusXM uh, two hundred four Sports Grid. We have blessing on every week, so uh, Gabe's on the, the same channel. Uh, Gabriel uh, Morenci, boys, yeah, we yeah. had him on. Oh yeah, Mr. yeah. He's uh, well, he's, he's, he's he had the over in the last. He had the he had the over last night. I'll give him credit for that. He's the uh, hockey maven. Uh, and so are you. All right. Well, uh, what does this do for Canada? Because I, I still can't. Like, I'm the ignorant American. I always ask about, uh, you know, Canadian fandom. Um, is it just a Montreal thing or is it a national pride thing? Because I saw Norm Macdonald like all fired up on Twitter. Yeah. Norm Macdonald is actually a Canadian fan. But no, it's not. You know, the, the, the dynamic people. Let me tell you something. Like people, there's a lot of fallacies about Canada. Number one, the Canadians are nice people. They're not. Right. Like Canadians might hold the door for you. But. <laughs> There's being there's a difference. Like people get murdered in Canada, people get run over, right? People get beat up, people get robbed. <laughs> like, like we will go down the list of things. I think people think everyone in Canada is walking around like with Mountie hats and a Tim Hortons coffee. Hey, how you doing, eh? Right? Like, so there's a lot of it's. You know what it is? The best way to describe the Canadian hockey scene is sort of like the SEC. Everyone's sort of in it together, but really hates each other, and it's really regionalized. Okay. Let's. How many cities in Canada can you name, Cofield? Let's be real. Uh, probably five. Probably five or six, just based on uh, sports. Yeah, that's even more. I'd say you know, Montreal, yeah. right? Toronto, Vancouver. Right after that, yeah. right? You start to, and it's sort of the same way. Canada's a really big country geographically. It's just it's spread out. So there's a disconnect. Like 
it's not like every city is close to each other. So long story short, it's very regional and everybody hates each other in Canada. <laughs> okay. like, nobody likes Quebec. Quebec is the French place. Quebec is a lot like Texas. They're always bitching about separating and, oh, we're not happy. We want more. Right? Like, Quebec's that sort of literally and figuratively. That's what their politics is about. They've calmed down. Now, like Alberta is sort of the new, you know, we hate the government. It's too left wing. We want out. We have the oil. It's very, everything's polarized everywhere, bro. So it comes down to the same way in hockey, where if it was some teams, sort of the whole the whole nation would get behind them. But since it's the Montreal Canadiens, bro, they're hated. You either love them or you hate them. And they're just one of those teams. It's cool to see Norm Macdonald on the bandwagon. J.J. Watt's on the bandwagon big time, man, oh, yeah. because of uh, Cole Caulfield, right? Yep. yep. So uh, you mentioned the word polarizing. The goalie situation is polarized. Uh, Leonard and Flurry, and I don't mean their relationship, but uh, Robin yeah. Leonard's an outstanding dude and a guy you want to root for, and he's really in touch with the fans and in touch with his feelings. And I know you had some thoughts on his tweet last night that was real classy. Well, I tell you what, so Robin Leonard, and I got some thoughts on Mark andre Flurry. Listen, I was a goalie, and I grew up in Montreal, all right? I haven't lived in Montreal in a while, but, dude, I've seen I used to be the host of the Canadians post-game show. There's something about it, man. The road to hell is just littered with star goalies, man. They've had their hearts ripped out in Montreal. And Marc-Andre Fleury, guys, and what a class act Fleury is, too. But when he was a kid, he was on Team Canada, all right, in the World Junior Championships. And his career has always been defined by this, actually, by hardcore hockey fans. It was the gold medal game. He goes to clear the puck. He shoots the puck. It hits his own defenseman, bounces in the net. He gets blamed for costing Team Canada. Goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and let's be real, Coffee. He was he was never really appreciated. They pushed him out the door for Matt Murray. Yeah. And when he went to Vegas, nobody thought, oh my God, this guy's going to become a le- build to his legend. I said at the time, hey, nice guy, perfect face to meet some kids at the mall. Hey, come out to the Green Valley and meet the new goalie. The, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, yeah, this guy's the perfect guy for that. Nice guy. You know, Quebec goalie, smile. I'm happy to be here. A pleasure to play for the Vegas Golden Knight, right? Um, and look what happened, man. The Vegas Golden Knights take the world over. Yep. So Flurry gets this rejuvenation, playing great hockey. But I knew when I, I called it, Steve, going back to Montreal last week, I checked my Twitter. I said, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to have one of those Montreal moments, man. Yep. He's going to yep. have a weekend to remember poorly. He had one of the worst series of his career with the Penguins. In Montreal, is one of those haunted him. Yeah, but I was 25 then. It's different now. But I thought I thought DeBoer sort of outthought himself. And you sort of – both goalies were great, but it sends a confusing message. It's sort of like changing a quarterback every series, bro. After a while, you just start to send weird messages to the, to the wide receivers and the rest of the team. Oh, if I make a mistake, are you going to throw me under the bus like you just did to Mark andre So it sends that message. Yeah, I don't think, and you know, I, I was talking with Teddy Covers, Ted Savransky. Now, you know, Teddy's not a hockey guy, so I had to put him in his place. He said, oh, the, uh, the series clearly changed with Marc-Andre Fleury's gaff. That's low-hanging fruit, bro. It didn't change with that gaff. The Canadians were the better team. Let's be real. There were, what, six games, 18 periods, plus the overtime. So uh, let's just forget the overtime periods. Out of the 18 periods, Dave, you watched the series. The Canadians were the better team, bro. Oh, yeah. They just no wasn't doubt. the goaltending. No doubt. No doubt. How early were you on uh, the uh, Hab side from a gambling standpoint? I got him at 10 to 1 to win the cup. Oh, wow. So it's not, yeah, I'm not going to boast. But the thing right. is, bro, 
really during the year. They were kind of 14 to one, 17 to one ish. Right. Then they struggled. Um, you know, they had COVID. They were off for a couple of weeks. But yeah, I, you know, I don't have them, dude. I didn't get them at 150 to one. And I'm not going to lie to you, Steve. There's a tape of me when they were down 3-1 of the Toronto Maple Leafs and they're disgraced to the jersey, they're yeah, embarrassment, yeah. <laughs> like the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. And here and here we are now. Hey, type, things can change. Hurry. What a roller coaster the NHL and NBA playoffs have been. Uh, anytime you think, oh, this series is over, that team can't win without this guy, yep. we're wrong. And, and time and time again, we've been proven wrong. Well, this is why, and I'm not saying you're going to win every time. We're talking to Gabriel Morenti, uh, who's on uh, Sports Rage on Sirius XM Channel 204. This is why... Uh, you do have to take a chance on some of those lottery tickets in series on series prices. When a team goes down, we've seen repeatedly they can come back. And I'll, I'll admit, I've been consistent in trying to bet a dog when they go down. I freaking gaffed on Montreal. They were seven to one after game after game one. You know the Knights were minus eleven hundred, and I freaking did not put money on them. What an idiot! You know, it's the one thing I've done well. And listen, trust me, I'm an idiot. I'm a bigger idiot than you. Okay, Cole. So I'm not. We're not disputing. <laughs> yeah. You want I'm like Costanza. I'm the king of the idiots at bat. Like. You bet what? What'd you do? <laughs> right, but it's the one thing I've caught on. It was the same thing. I love the bubble stuff and sort of this modern playoff. Yeah. They don't really know what to do. So case in point, last year, guys, in a little hub in the NHL, the Canadians played the Pittsburgh Penguins in the hub. The Canadians are a better playoff team, too. This is what I'm talking about. They have Carey Price. It's like having – guys, for people that aren't diehard hockey fans, if you wonder – if you have a stud, stud goalie, I'm not talking about, yeah, you know, a good goal. I'm talking about Carey Price, one of the best goalies ever type of deal. It's like having Jacob DeGrom on the hill every day. Yep. It, you have a chance. I told people coming in, people were like, oh, Vegas and Colorado. No way, these teams. You watch these teams, they can't keep up with that speed. They said it's all it's all styles, right? It's it's all styles. And, 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 and in hockey, what's the biggest upset in sports history, one of them? The Miracle on Ice. Like, and you're not going to beat Alabama on a football field. They're bigger than you. Kent State cannot beat them. Impossible. They'll play 100 times. Kids on Alabama are going to run them over 100 times. You can't beat, and you know, you're not going to beat the Baylor Bears if you're Miami, Ohio. You can play 22 times, and you're going to get slammed on all the time. Talent wins. Hockey, bro, hard work, puck luck. Hockey and soccer, you see it too, dude. Look at my Montreal. Look at this series, guys. Vegas were better in a game, hey, but they lost the game. Hey, Montreal actually played better, but Vegas won. Right? It was always that that little role reversal in hockey that happens. But anytime hockey, everybody's got a shot. You look at the New York Islanders right now. They don't have as much talent as the Tampa Bay Lightning, but hey, you know, they brought this thing seven by hard work, puck luck, good goaltending. And uh, and discipline hockey, stay out of the penalty blocks. So uh, Gabriel talks a ton of gambling on uh, on Sports Grid. That's what the channel is all about. Let's close on this. Uh, fill us in again. I'm an ignorant American. What's going on in Canada in terms of did wasn't there some uh, sort of legislation that just passed opening things up? Can you guys legally gamble, or is it on the way? Yeah, well, you know what? It's kind of a gray area, bro. And it's kind of stupid because number one, gambling's been Canada's been ahead of the curve. Okay. All right, you can you can gamble at your local Seven Eleven here. You walk into a corner store, you can play a parlay, but that's the key, Kofi. You got to play a parlay, right? So you, yeah, right? And they give you five to one, not six to one or four to one, right? And the odds are worse, but you know, it's for, 
and, and but they make they make hundreds of millions of dollars a year off this stuff. Like Canadians won't play a hockey parlay when they're buying their groceries, right? right, 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 right of course right, they will. Of course. So it's not an ethical thing of like, oh, now they've they've allowed gambling. They already allow gambling. So now they're just figuring out how do we not lose the money that we're already making off these, you know, the suckers that are playing these parlays at every day. But I don't know what's going to – I think there's going to be single game wagering at the casinos, Niagara Falls, Windsor, et cetera. I don't know if it's going to be like a free-for-all. Like, hey, there's FanDuel apps and MGM apps. Right. and it's. I think it's going to be more province by province, which is like the state. So they can either run it themselves or they can outsource it and let an outside company run it, sort of like you'll see in a Vegas book, right? Like, yeah. hey, Cantor, just we gave him a spot. They're just going to run their little book in the corner here. So it's not like gambling isn't already here. And another thing is gambling online is not illegal. Like, dude, Bet365 was the sponsor of the CFL, like without even like without any laws, bro. Like, it's already been rolling. Long story short, Canadians have been gambling forever, bro. This guy's a radio legend uh, here in the States and in Canada. Sorry if I just made you sound old, but uh, he's he's been around uh, for a while. Yeah, he knows what uh, he's doing. So were you, you too, bro. I was, I was in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you looking different. I was, man, I was like, man, I remember being in Vegas. It was at Cofield and Friends. I was being <laughs> my, I, me and my buddy. We're going to the book every day, listening to you guys. I'm like, yeah, at least we're still alive. It's good to catch up. There you go. Right, right. That's that's all you can ask for. We're still doing radio and we're still alive. Gabriel, you're awesome, man, and uh, congrats on the Montreal win. It stings for people here, but uh, it's good for hockey, no doubt. Gabe, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, great catching up with you, bro. Gabriel Morenci, Sports Rage, Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 204. Five o'clock hour, we get back into the Vegas Golden Knights. We start to look ahead. What changes are on the way? What can George McPhee do to make this into a real Stanley Cup contender? Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.